Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Pagan Greeks ruled that all local religions, including Judaism, be rooted out of Alexander's empire. Hiding out in the hills of Israel, five brothers from the Maccabi family began a guerrilla war that lasted three years. In 166 BCE, they were victorious and set out to reclaim their temple. Listen for what's missing from the biblical account. Judah Maccabi and his brothers said, now that our enemies have been crushed, let us go up to Jerusalem to cleanse the temple and rededicate it. So the whole army was assembled and went up to Mount Zion. There they found the temple laid waste and the altar profaned. They tore their garments, wailed loudly, put ashes on their heads, and fell on their faces to the ground, crying aloud to heaven. Judah detailed the troops to cleanse the temple. They discussed what to do with the altar of burnt offering, which was profaned, and rightly decided to demolish it, for fear it might become a standing reproach to them because it had been defiled by the Gentiles. They built a new altar, rebuilt the temple, and restored its interior. They burnt incense on the altar and lit the lamps to shine within the temple. On the anniversary of the day when the Gentiles had profaned it, on that very day it was rededicated with hymns of thanksgiving to the music of hearts and lutes and cymbals. All the people prostrated themselves, worshiping and praising heaven that their cause had prospered. They celebrated the rededication of the altar for eight days. There was great rejoicing as they sacrificed peace offerings and thanks offerings. There was great merrymaking among the people and the disgrace brought on them by the Gentiles was removed. Then Judah Maccabee, his brothers, and the whole congregation of Israel decreed that the rededication of the altar should be observed with joy and gladness at the same season each year for eight days. What's missing? The thing about the oil. Only enough oil for one day, lasting for eight days. What's missing is the miracle. Holy cow. Picture me this week, Bibles open on either side of my computer, commentaries on one Maccabee piled up like a fortress around me. Where's the miracle? I was frantic. Turns out we're celebrating a holiday that glorifies war and the publicity has already gone out. What's a Unitarian Universalist minister to do? But wait, what's this? One paragraph of commentary from the second to fourth century rabbis who wrote the Talmud. The rabbis are talking about what kind of candles may be used for Shabbos, that's the Sabbath, when one of them asks, rather casually, 
whether the rules for Hanukkah candles are different. They explore this for a bit, talk about how the candles are to be lit, and then another of them asks, as if he can't quite remember, what is Hanukkah? They answer him, our rabbis taught that when the Greeks entered the temple, they defiled all the oils in it. And when the Maccabees defeated them, they searched and found only one bottle of oil. It contained only enough for one day's lighting. Yet a miracle was brought about with it, and they lit the lamp for eight days. And then the rabbis go back to their discussion. What? I'm trying to preach about the Hanukkah miracle, and the rabbis are talking about the candles. Enter one of my great modern heroes, Rabbi Arthur Wasco. Here it is, and it's pretty amazing. It turns out that the rabbis who wrote the original commentary were not happy with the Maccabees. They did not like all that fighting, and they were critical of the meaning and ultimate outcome of the Maccabean revolt. And the Maccabean ways of exercising power was not what the rabbis wanted to lift up. They thought it set a bad example. The power not of rock, but of water, they said, fluid and soft from moment to moment, yet irresistible in the long run. Only that kind of power would protect and preserve the Jewish people. The prophet Zechariah is invoked not by might and not by power, but by thy spirit. But instead of outright rejecting the National Liberation Movement, the rabbis refocused attention away from violent revolution toward the miracle, toward the spiritual meaning of the light that burned for eight days and was not consumed. Here's a beautiful interpretation. This is from a later rabbinical commentator. The single bottle of oil symbolized the last irreducible minimum of spiritual light and creativity within the Jewish people. Still there, even in its worst moments of apathy and idolatry. The ability of that single jar of oil to stay lit for eight days symbolized how, with God's help, that tiny amount could unfold into an infinite supply of spiritual riches, infinite, because the eighth day stood for infinity. Since the whole universe was created in seven days, they say eight is one beyond the earthly and is related to the spiritual realm, a symbol of eternity and infinity. But that interpretation didn't last. The Jewish Enlightenment of the 19th century disdained the notion of the miracle, and in addition, the rise of Zionism found in the Maccabees a heroic example. Many Zionists identified the rabbi's fear of militant action against oppressive governments as a major obstacle to rebuilding the Jewish people. And so from about 1890 on, the celebration of the Maccabees' political courage once again took the fore, and the miracle of the light declined. The rabbinic tradition was hostile to the Maccabees, and modern Zionism identifying with the Maccabees was often hostile to the rabbis. I turned to commentaries from the last 100 years, and I read and I read, searching for an answer to the question, 
Which view is winning today? And finally, it occurred to me that that answer, as it pertains to the celebration of Hanukkah, is up to Jewish people everywhere. And by extension, answering for ourselves, are we celebrating military victory or a miracle? That choice and living that answer is up to each and every one of us. The Hanukkah candles are to be large enough to burn for half an hour. They are kindled as soon as the stars come out and no work is to be done by their light for as long as they burn, we are simply to sit in wonder. Last night, on the first night, the blessing included the words, blessed be you who has given us life, lifted us up and brought us to this season. Will we wonder at military victory or at the experience of a miracle? Fight or light? From the standpoint of the traditional rabbis, Hanukkah celebrates spiritual salvation, again, not by might and not by power. Enlightenment requires a kind of contemplation that is contrary and contradictory to insurgent politics. From the standpoint of the Maccabees, Hanukkah celebrates human courage and our ability to change history. The need to organize, to build might, and use power seems diametrically opposed to study, contemplation, and prayer. But is there a way to integrate the two? Here again is Rabbi Arthur Waskow. Hanukkah comes at the very moment when light is about to be born from darkness, hope from despair. The Maccabean revolt came at a dark moment of Jewish history, and the miracle at the temple came at a moment of spiritual darkness. Even military victory could not produce the sacred oil necessary to the rededication of the altar. At the moment of utter darkness, Judah Maccabee struck the spark of rebellion and fanned it into flame at the moment of utter darkness in the temple when it would have been rational to wait for more oil to be pressed and consecrated. The people ignored all reason and kindled that little bit of oil that they had. The real conflict then is not between the rabbis and the Maccabees, between spiritual and political, but between apathy and hope, between surrendering to darkness and acting to light up the present and the future. Sometimes this will be accomplished by reflection, meditation, and prayer. And sometimes we need to act. Ultimately, metaphorically, Hanukkah is a time of renewal. The old altars, which have become impure, are torn down and new ones are built. It is a time of rededication to service. According to tradition, the menorah in the temple illuminated the whole world. 
Hanukkah teaches us that service is not restricted to the temple. Beloved spiritual companions, Hanukkah calls us to embrace both the rabbi and the Maccabi in each of us. The question is always whether or not we will recognize the darkness for what it is, face the darkness, and choose to transcend it. In these darkest days of the year, and always, we are called both to experience despair and to turn to hope. May we choose to make light in the darkness. <laughs>